This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for February 22nd, 2024. This is season 13, episode number 25 of the Power Play Post Show and number 410 in the long-running podcast that is the Power Play Post Show. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. We've got a great slate of games coming up for the Binghamton Black Bears and even for all the other teams in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. I think even on Sunday, I think there's three or four games being played. So a full week of games or a full weekend of games for the FPHL. And, of course, the Binghamton Black Bears, uh, two games against the Watertown Wolves, here in Binghamton, and then on Sunday, I think it's a 3 o'clock start in Danbury at the Danbury Ice Arena. That's going to be a tough game for the Binghamton Black Bears, uh, but we've got a great show planned for you. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I'll get right to it. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search Power Play Post Show and share it with any of your friends that are hockey fans. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. And on this edition of the Power Play Bow Show, I'm very excited to have Austin Thompson. Um, talk to him after practice on Tuesday. Coach Sherwood, uh, talk to him after practice as well. And from the Watertown Wolves, I'm very, very, very excited for you guys to hear this interview with broadcaster Jeff Barrett. Um, and, you know, really excited to have all three of these guys on. I've already talked to Austin Thompson in a full interview. This is just a great little catch-up. The Binghamton Black Bears had, I think, six days off, realistically. They had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They had five full days off before they came back um, from their their break, and they had practice on Tuesday. They didn't have a full squad because a couple guys were up, obviously, with the Roanoke team in the SPHL. That would be Tyson Kirkby and, of course, uh, Jesse Anderson. Gavin Yates was given the, the week off to kind of clear his head, get ready for when he comes back from suspension. So uh, I have Austin Thompson, some words from him, some words from Brent Sherwood, and a great interview with Jeff Barrett. Ooh, super nice guy. He and I have a lot in common for music and playing in bands back in the 80s and the 90s and uh, racing fan, uh, just probably kind of just lived life very similar being that we're from upstate New York. He in the northern country, me in the southern tier, but still very similar in um, our lives, just basically. And now we're connected through hockey as well. So let's get right to it. 
Another three games and three nights upcoming for the Binghamton Black Bears at home twice against the Watertown Wolves. And, of course, we'll talk to Jeff Barrett a little bit about these upcoming games as well. On Friday and Saturday night here at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena, the Black Bears are 6-1-0 and versus the Wolves through seven games played so far. November 18th in Watertown was the only loss to the Wolves, a 5-1 to victory for the Wolves up there in the Watertown Arena. Uh, Binghamton beat Watertown in their last meeting, though, 5-3, to three, also up in Watertown. Uh, very tough place to play. The Black Bears have outscored the Wolves this season, 38-19 to 19 in seven games played this season. The Wolves are 20% on the power play and 74% on the PK, whereas the Black Bears are 29% on the power play and 82% on the penalty kill. Trevor Lord, who I think is one of the better players in the league, along with Tate Leeson, Trevor Lord leads the team, uh, leads the Wolves with 18 goals and 31 assists for 49 points. And Tate Leeson, who has scored a god awful, I mean, I think he's he's 29 games played. He's got 27 goals, 21 assists for 48 points. Those two guys are the leaders, and as long as they can stay out of the sin bin or not be suspended, they're doing well. They also are two of the top three leaders in penalty minutes for this team. It's a rough and tumble kind of team. And, you know, sometimes when they get a little frustrated, things happen and, you know, you get thrown into Simbin, you get to 10-minute misconducts and stuff like that. But big into Black Bears know that very well as well. The Wolves are also short one man on the game day roster as Dakota Seaman is still on suspension and cannot return until March 3rd, 2024. Binghamton is in the same boat. I know that we're waiting to hear about Michael Mercurio's suspension along with Verbeek. We don't know the situation. I did ask um, Jeff off the record, and he really didn't have any more information. And uh, so we don't know what's going on with Mercurio. I'm guessing we'll find out by Friday when the two teams play. Um, Hopefully we'll know more. Obviously the league has either not reviewed all the video footage, if there was any, we just don't know. And and Jeff said that nobody really knows what's going on here. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that and let the, the league tell us what's going on. It was also unknown on the suspension for head coach uh, Brian Verbeek and Michael Mercurio. So obviously that's big coming into this weekend's games. Now, we're going to go through this quick because i got a lot of good interview stuff that I want you guys to listen to. Sunday's game will be on the road in Danbury versus the Hat Tricks, a 3 p.m. start time. This is the 14th game against Danbury this season. Okay, The Black Bears are 9-0-4 versus the Hat Tricks in 13 games. Uh, there will still be four more games this season to complete the 18-game series. So after this upcoming game, there's still going to be four more games against the hat tricks and trust me i can guarantee you they are as sick of us as we are of them regardless of media fans broadcasters players nobody wants to see this these two teams play against each other again but it's the way the schedule is to note uh the black bears need to win three of five remaining games against danbury to match what Tyson Kirkby said, 12 and 6 record prediction, right? Remember early uh, our media day uh, uh, podcast, he said they were going to go 12 and 6 against the um, the hat tricks. And right now they're 9 0 and 4. So they can afford to lose two more games, but they would need to win at least uh, three more games against the hat tricks. So 
very doable, I think, for the uh, the Black Bears to meet Kirkby's uh, record prediction of 12 and 6. The hat tricks are only 17% on the power play and 82% on the PK. So their PK is a little bit better than their uh, power play is. I think it's weird because, you know, Jeff Barrett talked about it with me a little bit. Danbury has come together and they're playing a little bit better hockey now than they were at the beginning of the season. It's very true. Uh, Johnny Ruiz still leads the team with 22 goals and 22 assists for 44 points. Probably one of the more respected guys in the the league. And Danbury and Watertown, you know, tangled it up last weekend. Uh, the Hattricks took two of the three games up in Watertown. And it kind of got a little crazy for both teams in, in that series and everything. So maybe Danbury will come into the Sunday game going, okay, we've already had enough crazy in the past couple of weeks, and maybe they'll play a little bit less crazy. But we'll see. We'll see. This is the fad you never know, right? So Connor McCollum has been good this season with 15 wins, 9 losses, and 3 overtime losses, 3.16 goals against average, 91% save percentage. You know, no matter what he and Liam Murray do, they're not going to give you the numbers that Brian Wilson gave the team last year when they won the Commissioner's Cup. Okay, so that's the two games, or the three games coming up this weekend. Two at home, uh, the really beautiful jerseys, the Asha jerseys that they have for um, Friday night's game. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. These are gorgeous jerseys. I hope uh, the, they go for a high price in the auction because it's for a great cause. If there is one where you really want to shell out, this is the one to shell out for. These are gorgeous jerseys, though. And and I know I know Binghamton has got another gorgeous jersey coming up. I can't say anything about it, but I've seen it, and it is awesome. So some great jerseys this year. Let's be honest. The, the Fireman Police jersey – gorgeous. I love the colors and the design, the front of that. Uh, just some really good jerseys this year for the Binghamton Black Bears. And the the Friday night jerseys are no exception. I cannot wait to be up there and taking some pictures of that jersey. Now, with Nikita and Tommy Ray gone from the team, what does the roster look like? Now, I've talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but we'll talk about it a little bit more because there's a little bit more information coming in, okay? So forward-wise, I'm going to kind of break this down in like almost little mini lines, right? Uh, Connor Smith, Tyson Kirkby, and Donald Oliveri are going to be probably your top forward line going into this weekend. Jesse Anderson, Josh Fletcher, and Austin Thompson will be your kind of your second line, so to speak. Coach hates lines, numbering the lines and stuff like that, but it's – I'm sorry, Coach, if you're listening to this. I know, you, I know you're going to. People still are going to number the lines no matter what. And uh, Tyson Kirkby is going to lead the number one line. I know he hates it, and he's probably laughing right now that I'm actually saying all this, but it's true. He hates numbering the lines. He doesn't want guys to think that – you're on the third line. It means you're not important, blah, blah, blah. That's not how Coach Sherwood thinks. He's all about positivity and everything. So, But either way, Jesse Anderson, Josh Fletcher, Austin Thompson. So if you think about it, Josh Fletcher, you, you just got bumped to the second line. Then you have Andrew Logar and Andrew Utoro. Now, I'm not saying Logar is on the third line or anything like that. Coach Sherwood could change this around depending on what happens. He has a player potentially coming in for Friday's game because – Gavin Yates is still suspended. Taylor McCloy and Bryce Farrell, even though they could play, they're not available this weekend and probably for the whole weekend for both players. So 
what that basically means is that the black bears can dress 17 and they're going to have 17 according to uh, coach Sherwood. It's just a matter of who that extra forward's going to be. So he's, he's working on that and everything. And here's the other tidbit that I did learn. Andrew Toro doesn't go towards a roster spot. The college kids coming in can play. There's five college spots that you can have. Right, so think about it this way: you got Connor Smith, Tyson, Donald Oliveri, Jesse Anderson, Josh Fletcher, Austin Thompson, Andrew Logar, Gavin Yates, Taylor McCloy, and um, Bryce Farrell. That right there would be 10, 10 forwards. Andrew Andrew Uturo would not count towards that, so he it would be your eleventh forward, and he wouldn't count towards the nineteen man uh, uh, roster. Right, so that's pretty cool. So then you have Dakota Bond on defense with Dean Stone. They've been paired up together pretty much all season. You got Liam Anderson, Dan Weaver, Jake Schultz, who is playing this weekend, folks. Um, I had a really nice conversation with Jake uh, Jake Schultz. I don't know even know if he realized who I was. I was in the locker room. I just talked to Austin Thompson, and then I was making my way over to talk to Coach. Coach was in the office with a player. He told me to wait a couple minutes. No problem. So I, I kind of like wandered around the weight room a little bit, and Jake offered me a chair, and I said, oh, no, 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 it's good. I, I work all day sitting down, so I, I don't mind uh, standing up sometimes. And then we just had a nice, pleasant conversation for like 10 minutes. And it wasn't even about hockey. It was just literally about life. And it was really great and um, very personable. Uh, hadn't had one conversation yet with Jake Schultz and uh, very enjoyed my my first one. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Netminder's Connor McAnanima. He will be starting on Friday night, folks. He will be starting Friday night. And then Nolan Egbert will get the start on Saturday. And that is probably going to help determine what happens with the goaltenders uh, going forward. Uh, we'll see what happens, but no one is getting the nod on Saturday unless something changes from Tuesday to Saturday. That was the plan going into this and and whatnot. So Andrew Utoro is not going to be affected by that. So when Gavin Yates comes back, you got Taylor McCloy, you got Bryce Farrell, obviously Jesse and Tyson are back from their Roanoke trips, which they did really good. I will tell you this right now. Um, Roanoke tried to keep them. They wanted to keep them. They wanted to keep Jesse and Tyson. Tyson was playing in the top six. Jesse was playing in the top four on D. So these guys gelled pretty good with Roanoke, but Roanoke was not going to keep them. Tyson knows that there's a story to be finished here. I'm not trying to steal a line from the WWE and Cody Rhodes and all that, but there's a story to be finished here. And the story is getting past Dan Barry and winning the championship for Binghamton. And Tyson wants to be a part of that. He's been here all three seasons uh, and whatnot. Gavin Yates, same thing. There's a story for these guys to finish, and Coach Sherwood wants to be a part of that as well. All right, so that's the roster. That's the way it looks. It's okay. We're going to get another player in here. Um, I saw some names up on the board, and obviously I'm not going to release that information until it becomes more permanent and final. But here's what we're going to do first. First, we're going to talk to um, Austin Thompson, and then we're going to talk to Coach Sherwood and whatnot. And then we will have on um, our good friend Jeff Barrett from the Watertown Wolves. And as far as I can tell, I found no research to prove that Jeff Barrett in Watertown 
has any relation to Jeff Barrett and Wilkes-Barre with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Just saying that. I, maybe there is. Uh, I have not found any evidence of that at all. But either way, coming up first here will be um, Austin Thompson and uh, Coach Sherwood. Enjoy those little uh, uh, interviews that I got on Tuesday um, and everything. Great question, great answer from Austin Thompson again about what the goal is for the Binghamton Black Bears this season. Enjoy it, and I'll be back at the tail end of everything um, to get you guys set up for the weekend. Um, so, coming up next year on the Power Play Post Show is Austin Thompson of the Binghamton Black Bears. We'll be right back right after this. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. All right, I'm back here at the arena um, with Austin Thompson. Austin, welcome back to the Power Play Post Show. Good to talk to you again and everything. And uh, you guys got about 20 games left in the season. What is the mindset of this team going the last 20? Uh, well, Coach just talked about it today, actually talking about uh, 10-game stretches because in the playoffs, you're either going to play 7 or 11 games. So we're trying to string together two perfect rounds of 10 games and hopefully going to playoffs the confidence. 12 goals, 18 assists for you, 30 points at this point. Are you are you happy with the numbers so far? Uh, never really happy, never satisfied. Um, obviously, last year I did a lot better, and uh, this year I feel like I'm more snake-bitten, but it's okay. I'm doing better on the D zone, penalty kill, face-offs when Coach needs me, so no complaints. Um, obviously playing in front of the net is something whenever I'm up taking pictures, like literally you're always in front of the net. Uh, what's your mindset when you're, when you're in front of the net and you guys are either running a power play or even five on five? Uh, I don't know. It's like my dad always said, good things happen when you go in front of the net. And obviously coming in last year was a big power play guy in front of the net. So it's kind of take the goalie's eyes out, maybe get a stick on the puck and good things happen. A practice like today where you guys have about five or six less people than normal and everything, what can you accomplish still in a practice like today? You get a lot more touches and reps in, so you're personally getting better even though you're less bodies. What do you think of uh, the new guy, Andrew? Love the kid. I knew the kid before coming here. Really? Yeah, she reached out to me before coming here and talked about the team and obviously couldn't talk good enough about him to coach and couldn't talk good enough about this place to me either, so it's perfect. Are you pissed he got two goals this weekend? No, nah. actually, you did too. Hey, I did too. So actually, we're good. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're glad for the kid. I like to see him uh, strive and succeed. So now you did score the first two goals in I think the last game in Motor City and the first game in Elmira. Talk a little bit about what you saw in both of those goals. Uh, so the Motor City goal, noticed Kirkby got a breakaway, shot fivefold, and then I actually had changed for him and got my shot. I noticed fivefold is open on Babin, and he likes to cheat high. So actually, if you watch it over again, mm-hmm. you see him try to make a high blocker save and it just go between his legs. And then as for the uh, shorthanded goal, it was just a good play by Kirks and Nando, and Nando find me back door. And uh, how many times have you gotten a shorthand goal in your career? Uh, this is the first couple years I've actually penalty killed. I don't usually PK yeah. back in college and junior, so yeah, it's so not often. You don't get that chance and everything, no. so that felt good probably, right? Oh, that was great. And uh, talk a little bit about this locker room right now. You and I were talking a little bit um, you know, before we started recording about the locker room, and uh, everybody just seems to really, really, really like each other. 
Yeah, like we said from the beginning, you know, championship teams have a good culture and a good locker room presence, and all the guys here want to win or move up, and that's what you want to have as a team. There's no individuals. It's all about how do we do to what do we do to win and how can we succeed. Why is Coach Sherwood so good in being able to communicate with you guys? Is it because he's a younger coach, just got done playing? I mean, I saw him out there today, and he was taking, doing some of the same drills with you guys. Yeah, no, he definitely gets it being a couple years out of pro and being younger, he's able to relate to us. And also he has a good player-coach relationship, so like sometimes like you mess up, he might chirp you, but then he messes up and you give it right back to him. He doesn't have hard feelings over it. Yeah, um, I know that he did full gear, I think it was, uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe took a stick to the face uh, from Nikita Ivashkin and everything. And he sent me a picture, and he had the nostrils uh, plugged in everything. What was the mindset of the team when that happened? W- did everyone kind of laugh and chuckle at least a little bit about it? Uh, I definitely uh, gave him some crap over it. But oh, you did? Oh, yeah, of course. Cause, uh, usually I get hit in the face in practice, as you can see right now, actually. Um, but no, like... Oh, he's a good guy. We love him. He's like one of the guys half the time, but at the end of the day, he's still our coach, so we still have that respect for him. Um, what was the bus ride like from Motor City to Elmira? Because i got to imagine that game was a tough loss for you guys. Uh, dark and sleepy and quiet. So. <laughs> so you guys slept most of the time then? Yeah, we had a, I think we had a five-and-a-half-hour dri- five drive to Jamestown yeah, where yeah. we ended up crashing at a hotel and then up early for another two-and-a-half to Elmira. So guys weren't really talkative, obviously, with the loss, but... Yeah. I mean, still try to get her sleeping. Dylan uh, sent me a video of the hotel with all the gear sprawled out. Do you think that hotel still smells like hockey player right now? Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no way they're getting that out. And, and that's kind of typical for a lot of, even for junior teams and the high school teams, when they travel, the hotel staff need to know that it's probably going to smell. Oh, I just actually brings back to minor hockey tournaments too, with uh, teams taking up lounges and what whatnot, with uh, their gear and all the parents crying about the stink of it. This upcoming weekend, uh, two games against Watertown, but then there's that game on Sunday. How do you guys, you know, not forget about Watertown those first two games, knowing that Danbury's on the back end? Honestly, we just try to take it day by day. It's hard with this league and obviously with our rivalry with Danbury. We always want to beat them, but at the same time, you know, Watertown's beat us a couple of times and we're at home, so it's obviously good to be back here after that long stretch of road games and the week off, but no, I think we're just focused one at a time. Then when Sunday comes around, we'll prepare for them. So what did you do on your time off? Because, I mean, I saw Eggy. He was at the outdoor game. I don't know if he bragged about that. Well, he probably didn't because his aisles lost and my Rangers won. But what did you do on this time off? Uh, I just got time to heal up the body, you know, getting a little older. Uh, a lot of bumps and bruises. Uh, and then also we went to an ODR here on Saturday, some of the guys. So we got to skate there, which was fun. And then just taking care of my body and getting extra rest. So you were still skating even on time off? Oh, of course. Really? Oh, so yeah. it, so let's talk about this a little bit. Is it because you love skating, or is it just to keep the legs kind of moving a little bit? Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, as a Canadian, you can't turn down a free ODR session, so it just feels like you're back home again. Now, when you were in Motor City, th- you had some family and friends th- there and everything. Uh, I think Connor Smith had some family and friends. There was a couple other players, the Michigan guys, uh, Dakota Bond maybe, had some family there. What does that do for you guys? Because they can't always get here to Binghamton, right? No, absolutely. They can't get here all the time, especially more so friends. Obviously, your mom and dad can try to make trips up and down. But, no, it's great. I think we had more fans there than they did, which is hilarious. And uh, it was also good to see Dan Stone, who's got girlfriend's yeah. family, coming down to visit as well. And, obviously, Adrian guys, they had a day off Saturday, so they got to support their boys. And 
I'm actually looking forward to March when my boys from Davenport to come down. So. Oh, really? So you're going to have some guys yeah, from Davenport? Yeah, we got a small little army coming from all of us for all the bingo fans. How many, how many do you think will be down here for that? I think I had 18 alone. Nice. Uh, Smith said he had about 18 as well. Bond had probably six, and Stoner had about seven. That's great. Plus their 10 teammates. So, I mean, they're arriving in numbers. Austin, what is the goal for this team this year? Win a championship, plain and simple. It's that simple. That's it's that, that simple. simple. I've asked that now the last few interviews I've done with some of the guys on the show and everything, and it's literally the most immediate thing they said. Yeah, no, we're not satisfied unless we win, so that's the goal. You did the banner up in the – got to uh, get the banner up there. Yeah. Been, uh, we need some back. Well, black Division hairs. One is probably going to go up, right? We'll probably see a Division One go Hopefully. up and everything, which will yep. be kind of nice. I, I'm pretty sure they'll do it and everything. But then you want a championship. We want that there. final banner. Yeah. Um, so, what is it going to take to do that? A lot more than what we're doing right now, and obviously, playoff games are a lot different than the regular season. Like I said earlier, I think we just do that ten game stretch in the twenty games and just take it game by game and treat it as a whole playoff series and run. What's it mean to have Tyson and Jesse go up? And not only go up, they both had a couple points in the three games. I think Tyson got in a fight, which actually scared the crap out of me. I was like, please do not fight up there. We don't want you injured. Everything. But what does it do for the team to see those guys go up? We know they're going to probably be back for practice probably around Thursday and everything. What does it do for the team to see a couple guys go up and get that kind of look-see? Uh, a couple guys are heckling them for moving up and calling oh, really? them big shots because they're leaving us. for. They left us for a weekend, but no, we love to see it, obviously. We're at brotherhood in here when guys get called up and get their shot, no matter if it's two games, one game. We all support it. You've been on a, a couple different lines this year. You know, you've kind of moved around just a little bit. Is there anyone in particular that you really like to be on a line with? Is there, is there a particular guy? And I'm not telling you to call out anybody or anything, but is there a, a player in that locker room that you just gel with so much? Tyson and Gavin seem to you know gel really well and everything. So is there a guy on this team that you seem to kind of gel with really well? Uh, honestly, I'm not really sure. Like you said, I've been on every line, so yeah, it's really it not hard to play with these guys because you just see them every day. But uh, recently, Smith and I have guess, been having some success, and I know coaches liking that. But at the same point, I think McCloy coming in is huge. And then obviously I was with Kirk and Ollie for a while, and so is Louie if Louie ever comes back. So, I mean, I could play every position forward-wise, no matter if it's center or wing, and kind of just play wherever coach needs me. You guys got Farrell and McCloy. They've got that SP experience. They've just got experience in general. What have they done to help this team? Oh, they just, like you said, they have the SP experience. They kind of bring it in and elevate our game and kind of walk us through, you know, the life up there because most guys haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, they're great. They're very knowledgeable and talk to them about anything on the ice, and they're, they're great at it. Awesome. Austin, thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. Wanted to kind of get your perspective, you know, with 20 games left. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you very much. This is a presentation of BSRN. Box Studios Radio Network. Coach, let's talk a little bit about the first 36 games. You've got 20 games left in this season. You've played through 36, um, some very good runs, and then a little bit of a bumpiness a couple weeks ago. Talk a little bit about the first 36 games. First 36 games, I thought the first 20 was, you know, some of the, some of the best hockey I've seen in this league, and you know the personnel we've had and. Um, I would just say specifically offensively, we were a force to be reckoned with. And I'm not saying we're not a force to be reckoned with. We had 10, ten goals the last game. But um, there, I, I do think the past month we've had a lack of uh, consistency in our game, which, um, you know, needs to get figured out. And I think a part of that comes with, you know, we've had a lot of success. And we, you know, find 
some games a little bit easier to win, maybe not by doing the right thing, but we got to have those non-negotiable uh, habits like for the for the remainder uh, 20 games. So we got to be playing our best hockey down the stretch. We're going to take in 10 game segments, try to mimic the playoffs, evaluate after 10 games, and just keep going from there and trying to get better each day. When it comes to the roster, obviously shaking up now a little bit, and probably every team does a little fine-tuning. Is that how you look at it, is doing a little bit of fine-tuning at this point? Yeah, it's fine-tuning, and also it's, uh, you know, you, you want guys that want to be here. And if, like, guys don't want to be here, then, like, we can try it out somewhere else. And, you know, you can I'll, – I'll grant you uh, your wish. But other than that, like, I, I think this is the best place to play in the league, and we want guys that love each other, support each other, and – ultimately just you know want to be a black bear even if uh they're getting calls from the sp and stuff and guys are choosing to still be here that those those are the type of people we want we don't we don't want people taking uh this place for granted yeah and obviously we can talk about jesse and tyson going up to play with uh roanoke and uh getting a few games in i know you said you watched a couple of their games and everything what did you think of their performance up there i i thought it was awesome um I, I didn't watch Saturday night, but I watched Friday, and then I, I watched uh, Monday night as well. But they got they got introduced to a more physical style uh, of play. And not introduced. They've, they've been there. They've yes. done that. And they, they bring that game uh, here as well. But it, I think it is perfect for them to just, like, get that uh, reminder of, like, how how hard it is um, mm-hmm. to, to play in the SP. But... Can they do it? One hundred percent. They could easily stay there right now, but they're choosing to come back and play here. They just, you know, want to get some games in uh, for the weekend and help out Roanoke and kind of stay fresh. It it is a risk by them going up, and you know they they can be convinced. Uh, I was going to say there's a, there's two types of risk. You don't want them to get hurt at the yeah. same time. You also don't want them to get convinced to yeah, stay. Yeah, I don't want them to have too much fun. So you know, I was checking in with them every night, making sure, hey, like uh, we we got a job to finish. But they know that even when uh, when I made them, uh, you know, the leadership group, they they knew they had a commitment. So these guys will be back uh, here tomorrow, um, and. We're excited for them to share their experience with the younger guys here and say, "Hey, like if you want to make this up the next level, you you got to you got to do it this way." So um, they they played very well. Tyson was every other shift for the third period last night, so very much like uh, here. And Jesse was uh, you know shut down D. They they lost five two, and they were one of the two only guys that were even. And you know they I'm getting calls from their coaches that they. They want to keep them there, but like ultimately, their uh, their loyalties with us. So um, it was exciting to see him watch. Excited to see Jesse get a goal. It's excited to see Kirby. Yeah, he got a fight. You know, he, it's funny because they they pumped the team that night. So he's actually being smart and baiting them in. But he he uh, he had a bunch of good setups, uh, a couple assists. He had a good assist last night. But you know, he's doing the same things that he's doing up there here. It's just like. He, he's a leader, and uh, we're very lucky to have him. And uh, he made a commitment for here, and we're we're just excited to him, for him to come back. 
what went wrong in Motor City the second night and then in Elmira the next day? I know it's a tough road trip. I, I, I get the three and threes really suck. Um, you know, nobody likes to, to play them and everything. But what do you feel went wrong in Motor City and then in Elmira uh, the next day? I'm just going to start with the entire weekend. I did not like our game on Friday night. It okay. was a 7-5 win, and, um, you know, I think if uh, if Babin was in that, I think that might have been played out a little different. Maybe maybe we get three or four goals, but, like, we, we cannot be giving up five. So I, I honestly, it's, I think it's just trying to find a way to be motivated uh, at this time of the year when mm-hmm. you're, you're that far ahead in the standings. And, you know, like... I always think of like the the last dance with Michael Jordan. Like mm. you, you got to find ways to keep you motivated, and even if it's just making stuff up up in your head, like what would that guy say about me? What do he say online? And using that type of uh, edge to uh, you know constantly bring it like every night. So um, I think we just you know we're just not not into it as much. We we had a ton of neutral zone turnovers. Um, that Friday night, which was kind of out of character for us. We usually gain zones and get over that blue line and make stuff happen that way. But um, we got a little too cute. And then going into uh, to Saturday, it's just like, yeah, you ran into hot goaltender, but what do you got to do? You got to get some greasy goals. You got to get a good net front presence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we shouldn't need those reminders at that point in the season. So I think um, that was tough. And then, obviously, Sunday – you don't want to say like you're gonna give up one or anything like that, but that was a very tall task to ask them to show up and uh, you know have a quick turnaround coming right off the bus, maybe getting three or four hours sleep in a bed. So they have the excuse there. I just expect these guys to win every time. I think they expect that of themselves, but it's just never gonna be handed. And at this time of the year, we need to be making the hard right plays. And I think we got away from it that weekend and. You know, we bounced back on Wednesday. So Yeah, Wednesday's game, uh, both teams were skating with just 13 skaters, two goaltenders. Uh, so both teams were in the same position and everything. And then maybe Jurich's team thought, hey, we just beat these guys. We can do this a second time. But the Black Bears have seemed to, after, I don't want to say a demoralizing loss, because that's not the right way. But if sometimes it feels that way. They always come back. And... There you go, 10 to 2. Yeah, it was an awesome response. And, like, I think those two losses were the first two regulation back-to-back losses. Mm -hmm. I know we had the, you know, the struggles with Danbury in early January, but... um, But you you were in both of those games. We were in both those games where these ones were like... Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't own the... We didn't own the game. We didn't own the puck. Like, it... Like, it was a little bit more back and forth or Mm -hmm. maybe 50-50. But, um... The way we were able to bounce back on Wednesday, you know, just a lot of stuff happening off the ice, some player movement, and we just kept it positive, and maybe that's one of the things we need to do going forward. Myself, like, I, I need to be the the front runner with the, the positivity and kind of, you know, playing a little loose, uh, having trust in the guys, allowing them to make mistakes, and then making sure if they do make a mistake, they're, they're working their tails off to, to make up for it, so... Um, I, I do think uh, positive, positivity played a, a huge role into uh, Wednesday's win. Okay, so why or how did Smitty get four? Um, he, he ripped the puck, you know, he, and he had a really good uh, – there was a good play by McCloy and Jesse that set him up in front of the net. That was awesome. 
But the fourth goal, we're not. I don't even know if we're going to count that one. That was the e bug that went in, and he just waved them out and slid it along the ice. Don't tell Schmidt I said that, but um, no, he uh, he got back in the you know the scoring column. It was it was awesome to see, but um, he always has it in him. It's just it's hard to score goals in hockey on a consistent basis you go through uh stretches where you know you might not be producing but eventually it comes if you uh you know keep your uh keep your nose to the grindstone okay put your coach's hat on what do you think uh smitty could still do a little bit better to continue scoring goals well i talked to him this morning about it he needs to start burying on the power play you know he, Mm he I think like 90, 95% of his goals are coming in five on five, which is fantastic. It's hard to score five on five, much harder than power play. So we're just looking for him to produce on the power play a little bit more and uh, switch things up, have him coming down a strong side, get that release coming from a different angle. I, th- I think it will help him out where, you know, he found so much success uh, in the one-timer position um, in college that maybe, you know, it's, it's not uh, translating as easy. He has a wicked shot, mm-hmm. but like um, I think just you know switching it up, and that's that's sometimes like personnel choices by by me, like who he, who he's playing with on the power play, who he's playing with on the five on five lines, and you sometimes you got to get the combos right. So we'll we'll mix some things up and hopefully try to you know get some more scoring uh, on special teams. All right, give me a scouting report on Josh Fletcher. What do you like about Josh Fletcher? What does Josh Fletcher need to work on a little bit? He's a soldier. So uh, as far as like his role in the team, he's like a coach's dream. Like he's he's gonna go to battle for you every night. He's gonna play physical. He's gonna he's gonna do his best to own the face off dot. Um, his net front presence is great. Like he's great in the D zone. He has one of the best uh Stick positionings. If you watch him on that, mm-hmm. as an F one four checker, he he steers defensemen into turnover situations. So he's he's really good at that, going stick on puck and angling and all that stuff. Um, one thing he could work on is you know just the offensive upside. But I I have him in a role that's you know kind of takes away from that, and he mm-hmm. knows as like technically on the third line even though i don't believe in three lines um <laughs> you talk about that a lot you, you bring it. that up I a hate lot. It. you hate because i i think po- you want to talk positively to the guys and you want all three lines in no particular order to produce and to be good and to be a part of the team i write it up even differently like really? on the board like sometimes i'll i'll like technically who people might think are third line is like I'll put it as the first line and put sure. Kirkby down at the bottom and just like just kinda like we're a team. Like it Everybody uh, like, matters on the team. Everyone matters. It doesn't matter like who you're playing with, like right. as long as you're like doing a job and picking up your line mates around you, like it shouldn't be like a cookie cutter situation where like I can only play with this guy or I I can only play the right wing or I can only play center and stuff like you just don't get that at the professional hockey level you got to be adaptable and you got to be able to make things work for the position you're at what are you expecting from the three games this weekend I'm expecting three wins and um, I'm expecting us to play hard and have our legs because um, we just had a 
I'll call it an all-star break. <laughs> we yeah. had an, yeah, we had an all-star break where guys went home or you know took it easy this weekend. So we should be fresh uh, heading into these last uh, twenty games this season. So you know I'm I'm always expecting to win. I you know you have excuses like it's going to be a tough one on Sunday, but <laughs> it's also going to be tough for Danbury too. Yeah, like I'm sure they're playing Friday, Saturday, traveling. Everybody's doing three and threes. It's this late in the season, it's crunched up right now. It is, and uh, it's uh, it's it's tough, but like you know, I think I allow enough rust right. throughout the week where they're fresh on the you weekend. Gave these guys five days off. I mean, I don't think five days off. We don't that. we don't do uh, Monday practices usually unless the schedule kind of calls for it. But um, is that because you sleep in on Mondays? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I I'll get in here a little later. It's like. <laughs> 9 a.m., trickle in at 10 a.m., and same same for Dylan, too. Like, you do need that, uh, the breather from uh, the rink and hockey in order to, you know, drive forward hard, yeah, harder, and keep it fresh, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting these guys to show up this weekend, have some fun, and, uh, you know, get back in the swing of things. Coach, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Bobby. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Very excited to have this gentleman on. He comes to us from the North Country. And, yes, the North Country of upstate New York. Um, he comes to us from the Watertown Wolves. He is there. Uh, I'll just say broadcaster because now it's like all everything's on YouTube. Uh, so we'll just go with broadcaster. Um, of course, he is Jeff Barrett. Jeff, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. And, you know, my normal way of introducing people would be radio play-by-play broadcaster because that's what it was for so many years doing this show and everything. But now with the new advent of, of YouTube and streaming, it's just changed and everything. But welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Um, and, and Jeff, uh, I think the whole time that you've probably been with the Watertown Wolves, has it been uh, streaming, or did you do radio before uh, the league went uh, strictly to YouTube? When we first started, it was a mix of both. It was actually, we were streaming, but then we had a local radio station that was picking up the just the audio part of it. But that only lasted a couple of seasons, and we've been streaming since then. Yeah, and uh, I know here in Binghamton, for 50 years, they did, you know, it, they were on one of the radio stations here in Binghamton, whether it was AM or FM, and it went back and forth, you know, multiple times and everything from the different stations. And then this is the first year ever, and boy, did we catch some flack from some of the fans saying, hey, you know, <laughs> oh, why can't I listen to you in the car anymore and stuff like that and everything. It's It's different, but... Times have changed, you know, since you and I were in rock bands back in the 80s and stuff. Times have really changed when it comes to entertainment and how people, you know, get it and everything. Let's go back and everything. Um, Tell everybody a little bit how you got into doing broadcasting, because you've only been doing it for about six or seven years now. Yeah, uh, as far as the broadcasting part of it, but 
I mean, like you just talked about, I, I sang in bands for years mm-hmm. up here in the Watertown area in, in central New York. And uh, from that, because of people I knew, I ended up uh, being a uh, public address announcer at Canyon Speedway, which is just north of Watertown. It's a half-mile dirt track. Um, from there, got into being the announcer at Utica Rome Speedway and Evans Mill Speedway as well. And I... Uh, Working with Steve Weed back then, because he used to do a lot of the speedways, um, we had a television show that we used to do from Utica, Rome, and as racing, when I was involved with racing on and off for a little over 20 years, Mm. and uh, one of the guys that used to work at one of the racetracks, he was a flagger, was uh, Stan Tibbles, and Stan was a part owner of the Watertown Wolves. At one time, there was, I think, five owners that had a group uh, before Don got involved with them. And uh, they called me once because they were looking for a play-by-play guy. And I had never done it, but I loved hockey. And I had been to a few. They were the privateers before they were the Wolves. And we went to a couple games. And so I took a shot at it. And uh, I will be quite honest, that first year was really rough. Uh, I had a lot to learn about doing the live broadcast. But uh, I, I, I love every minute of it. And it drives my wife nuts because all I talk about is hockey and if I'm not at the arena, I'm watching the games on TV if we're on the road. So she gets uh, sick of hearing about the Wolves all the time. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I was uh, watching one of the games uh, within the last week or so, and uh, I think she was there, and uh, you asked her if she was enjoying the game or enjoyed the game, and she said no. She's not a fan, uh, <laughs> not as much as you are. No, she was only there because um, I fractured – my tibia a couple weeks ago um, in a stupid little I went to grab a piece of candy missed a step, went down Uh, that's the big joke now but um, he's been taking care of me hand and foot and feeding me and driving me everywhere and uh, obviously at the arena gotta get up those stairs and stuff so he went and helped me out got me around, carried my stuff and um, I think she had fun, she was, the night that she was there was the three to two win over Danbury in mm-hmm. shootout or in the overtime? So I think she had fun. So. Well, how can you not have fun if somebody's beating Danbury? I mean, come on, everybody wants to beat Danbury. <laughs> um, I'll be perfectly that's honest with funny. you. I, I, and you know, I, that's funny. I and I go. I'm not. I go back and I'm looking at. Uh, I, I sometimes I don't know why I do this, but sometimes I go back and look at the game and you read some of the comments. <laughs> and, I, and it was funny. But people in Danbury don't like me as an announcer. So. Really? Well, you know, I mean, Danbury's a tough city. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, back in the old U-Haul days with the UHL and when they were the Danbury uh, trashers and everything, they, they built up this reputation of this city that is just so, you know, blue-collar and we're going to kick the crap out of you. And even if we lose, we're going to kick the crap out of you. And they've kind of kept that up throughout all these years. I mean, 20 years of that. it's one of the toughest cities to go and play hockey in and I think they kind of cultivate their fans to be like that. And I'm not throwing shade against the fans. That's just who they are. And that's just how that city is. The ownership group. Everybody's kind of just really like rough and tumble type of hockey. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you say that because I don't know how many people I've told, but that's one of the arenas I want to go to. They've, they've got, I think, there's one section, 102 or something. Yeah, yeah. Where I guess they are just, it's ruthless, but I know people that have gone there 
from the visiting teams and actually sat with those people. Mm. And it's a it's a back and forth, and they have a lot of digging and jawing, but it's all in fun, yeah. you know. And uh, so, it, and that's kind of a neat old building. So, now talk to me a little bit about it, because uh, if if I remember correctly, the the Wolves have won three of the Commissioner uh, Cup championships, and you were part of all three, right? No, I was part of two of them. Two of them. Okay. I was there after I wasn't there in 2015. I started the next season, but so I was there in 18 and 22 when they won. Yep. What was it like? You know, and it's just let's let's be honest. You know, Watertown is one of the smaller cities in uh, in New York and everything. Um, it's a it's a blue collar kind of community and everything. What was it like when they won those two championships? What was the city buzzing? You know. Uh, I mean, I think the the arena sits about fifteen hundred fans, correct? Yeah, just about. Yep, and that's that's pushing the limit right there. So, uh, so what but, were, uh, what was the city like when those two championships were won? The the, the first one in eighteen, I, I think I enjoyed that one a little bit more. Uh, we weren't supposed to win that year. Port Huron had an amazing year. I mean, I think they set a record for consecutive wins at one point. Yeah. Um, and that's back. We had to go out there um, and actually stole a game out there, which gave us an advantage coming home. And the, the night that we played at home, the, the place was just wall to wall people. Gavin Yates was the hero yep. of the whole series. And uh, I'll never forget, we led by a goal late, and it just seemed like the last three minutes they were standing on our blue, right in the blue ice, just hacking away and trying to stick everything home. And I, I'm pretty sure I almost hyperventilated and passed out when the horn finally sounded, you know. <laughs> but uh, it was electric. I mean, there was – I'd never seen people storm the ice before. Like, they do it like a basketball game or whatever. And I, I'm pretty sure half the crowd was on the ice after. Um, it, we – I don't think we ever left the ice for an hour, hour and a half. We did interviews on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, champagne was flowing. Uh, the fans were just going absolutely nuts. It's, it, it, like you said, in a small town like this, there's only 20,000 people in Watertown. Um, and the people do get invested in their sports up here. They, We have a semi-pro football team that's uh, the oldest football team in America. They're actually, it's called the Watertown Red and Black, and mm. they're actually featured in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the oldest team in the, in the country. Wow. And, uh, I did not know that. It, I did not oh, know yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Wow. They, they play right at the fairgrounds, too, right across from where we play. And they draw thousands of fans for a home game. So it's um, the people get invested in it. You know, and we've had some rough patches along the way, but the people always seem to come back and, mm-hmm. and root for their wolves. You know, what's interesting about that 2018 team, Tyler Jurich, uh probably the most prolific uh, goal scorer in the uh, Federal Hockey League or the FPHL. John Scully was on that team. Kyle Powell was on that team. You already mentioned Gavin Yates, who I think is one of the smoothest skaters in the league and everything. Uh, Dustin Gesso was on that team but didn't play in the playoffs. So there was a, a, a really good amount of talent that is still playing today. That were yeah. that, that that was playing on that team. That's you know that that's the one thing about single A hockey. You know, there's so much movement of players, but there is a core group of guys that have been playing for the past mm, seven or eight years that are still playing today. Oh yeah, yeah. It, some of them almost become. I mean, it's. I know it's single A or whatever, but 
some of them become almost like you know legends in what they're doing. Uh, we had a mud with Woos here for yeah. a season, which I never thought would happen, and we won a cup in '22 with with that year. That team, um, we rarely lost. I mean, that was just one of those ones you expected to win the cup. Uh, we played great all year long. Uh, we had um, J Mac was here, McDonald. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a wicked group of guys um, that were here. Jamea, uh, LaBelle, I mean, just a stacked team. And it was that year you expected to win. That was one where we had the uh, double overtime against Columbus in the final game to win mm. the Cup. So, mm-hmm. so that was exciting as well. But I still think, to, to me, the 18 one was just, that I'll never forget that, the, the atmosphere. Yeah, that that the the twenty two season was the first year Binghamton was in the league and everything, and very very interesting uh, team in Watertown. They were so good every single night uh, when uh, when Binghamton got to see them as well and everything. And we actually started uh, Binghamton's uh, first you know two games were in Watertown, and yeah. uh, which was pretty interesting. And you know probably. Uh, for Andreas Johansson, probably a little confusing. He probably didn't know who to root for, right? And at, at that point, because he owned both teams, uh, this was before he uh, sold his uh, controlling interest in the Wolves and everything. Um, can talk a little bit about that. There's been a couple ownership groups, obviously, uh, for the Watertown Wolves and everything. Obviously, Andreas has left and come to Binghamton, been the primary here in Binghamton now for the, the last three years and everything. Um, and it, and it kind of it kind of changes a little bit, but that's kind of the nature of minor league hockey a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think that was kind of a little bit of a, a knock on Watertown too. Is that we went through a stretch where, like I said, I've been there six years, six mm-hmm. and a half years, and I think we're in our fourth or fifth ownership group or primary owners. Anyway, it's I think you know it was it's kind of tough to get into. A rhythm as far as the fans is. All of a sudden, you've got a new owner coming in, and they change the day-to-day operations. Yeah, and and fans don't want that. They want to see the same. They want to, they want to show up, you know, and just be the status quo. I want to show up. I want to watch my wolves. I want to buy my jersey. You know, and I think that's been one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest points that people have had a hard time up here. Um, we've got a guy now that owns a team, uh, Tyler Weiss. He's I, I, I I'll, I'll tell us to his face. He came in. I, he's not a hockey guy. You right. Know? He got invited to come in a couple of years ago by Don Tiernan, brought him into a game, and he like fell in love with it. And he had the resources to buy the team. He's into real estate and stuff, a lot like Andreas. Yeah. And uh, I think last year for him was a huge uh, growing pain. You know, it was an experience. Um, he he's doesn't know he's learning he doesn't know a ton about hockey but he's learning uh and the thing i've been impressed with with him is he just seems to he wants to do whatever he can to help promote northern new york and to do stuff for the community he recently purchased the collegiate league baseball team up here oh. because he's just like you said he's he's learning he's a little rough around the edges um and well you know everything that happened here last year with like you talked about the players, when you got a guy like Justin Coachman, been here for a hundred plus games, um, you give him a job as a coach, and a few weeks in, you release him and send him down the road. 
um, that didn't sit well with the fans up here, as you know. Yeah, well, I mean, because I mean, because when you talk to Justin, when you get to know Justin Coachman, another guy who's also into racing too, right? You know, so there's that little oh, yeah, connection. Yeah, yep. absolutely. He's got a racing team and everything. But when you get to know Justin, and 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 as as a, and I've always said that fans fall in love with players, and they fall in love with coaches. Sometimes, sometimes they blame coaches for everything. Um, but right. when you but when you fall in love with these people, hockey's still a professional business. It's a business that sometimes decisions are made and everything. But the one thing that you just don't want to do sometimes is if you got a very popular player there, it's bad for business sometimes when you get rid of them, right? I mean, because you yeah, get oh yeah. yeah, I mean, you get people talking and maybe not necessarily in the best ways. You know, and it's and it's funny because. We seem to have had a little bit of a history with that. Like you said, we had Tyler Zurich sure. here. Uh, Kyle Powell, arguably one of the most popular guys in the FPHL for his entire career. Agreed. And was here for years. People love him. He's a great guy. I mean, he's one of the last guys out of the building at night because he's shaking hands. He's mm-hmm. getting pictures taken, uh, talking with everybody. You know, and a couple of years ago, we sent those guys down the road. And yeah. I, and it's funny, and I think when I try to explain this to people is because it's single A, you know, we all have, we, we, we all like NHL teams. We have our favorite players. They get traded. You're upset about it, but they're gone. It, you know, it is what it is. But here you get to know the guys. Mm-hmm. You actually have access to the players. Um, you can go to dinner with them because single A does everything in the world to get you invested in the game. So, you know, we, they have dinner nights. Uh, they do special events where you come out, hang out with the players, yeah. do different things. So you get to know the players, not only as uh, as a player for the Watertown Wolves or the Binghamton Black Bears or whoever, but you get to know the person themselves, yeah. and they become friends and sometimes almost like family. And eventually, they're going to get shipped down the road, and that hurts a lot of feelings. You know, you know, uh, Jeff, you, you mentioned it, and it's it's a perfect example when Kyle Powell was basically sat at the end of last year by head coach Brent Sherwood. Coach has talked about. It. He goes. I never felt more vigor from our fans than when I didn't play Kyle Kyle Powell because he was literally one of the nicest guys. And you know, Brant was like, but Brant was creating his own team, right? He was doing his own right. thing and building his own team. And that happens in professional sports and professional hockey, especially even in minor league hockey, where you're not affiliated with an NHL team or something like that. You know, a coach is going to build his own team and. He made that decision. He's like, I didn't realize the fans were going to crucify me as much as they did, and everything. And that's because Kyle Paolo, Kyle Powell, everywhere he goes, he is he becomes a fan favorite. And I and I also, you know, matter of fact, Coach Sherwood and I were talking about this on Tuesday. Kyle Powell can like do tape to tape passing better than anybody that I've ever seen in the FPHL, right? You know, just right. that stick to stick, tape to tape. Nobody does it better, and everything. So, you know, the fans do fall in love with with some of the players and everything, which is which is obviously just the way it is. Who is that player this year for the Watertown Wolves? Oh, that's that's hard to say. We've got a couple of them. Um, I don't know who would be the the biggest one. Uh, you know, it's funny. One of the guys that the fans seem to have adopted all of a sudden mm-hmm. is actually the tough guy, Justin Schmidt. Oh, really? I mean, he's a scrapper. You know, he's been in the, uh, the league for a long time, but he's also one of those guys that people will ask after the game, 
you know, is Justin coming out to do autographs? You know, <laughs> they, they want to meet him, they want to see him. Uh, but, you know, he's, people like him, um, Josh Tomasi is another kid, real likable. Um, Chase Tabari, him and I have hit it off right from day one, just busting on each other and having a good time. Um, we got we got a good group of guys this year, you know, it's, and they all make themselves available to the fans, which is really cool. Well, one of the things that you do, and I, and I love that uh, Brooks does it here, uh, the Tully's Good Time Show, uh, where you guys can get together. I think it's Bruce with uh, with with Barrett um, up there, uh, but it's at Tully's. Um, they do the Tully's Good Time Show here and everything. Tully's is what a great supporter of hockey. I think Tully supports the Syracuse Crunch as well um, and everything. So Tully's has just been a great supporter of like just upstate New York sports, which is pretty awesome. Uh, talk about the the impact of that show for the fans and the players because it's again another way to just get the fans and the players talking to each other and communicating and engagement and that's so important. Hey, that's one of the neat things is when we get down there it's uh, Tuesday night at six o'clock mm-hmm. and you know we usually have eight or ten players in there uh, they got a big table and they'll all come in and they'll grab something to eat might have a drink. And I interview a couple of guys in the process. Yep. And uh, there's there's sometimes you'll see on the show behind us is where the game room is. And they, like last night, I'm doing interviews, and uh, Justin Schmidt, Tomasi, and a couple other guys. Um, I'm trying to think who else was back there. Were they behind they were, you? They were behind us, and they were playing table hockey with a couple of young kids. Oh, that's awesome! You know, and it was funny instead of being you know, well, you take this kid, I'll take that kid. It was actually two Wolves players against these two little kids, you know. And, mm-hmm. so, and the little kids thought it was the greatest thing in the world because they were beating them up, you know. <laughs> so, But it, I think that's the neat thing because that's another one of those things where the fans can come down, they can have some dinner, they can hang out with the guys. Uh, and, and people really enjoy, they enjoy that. They love being able to sit and talk with the guys, you know. Absolutely. Now, when I look at the roster of the Watertown Wolves and I look at – the two top guys, Tate Leeson and Trevor Lord. Why are these guys – Why? Well, first of all, why is Tate Leeson – I mean, he's got 27 goals scored in just 29 games. He is literally, I think, one of the best goal scorers right now in the FPHL. But these two guys, um, you know, I, 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 there was the one game in Binghamton where, I mean, it got so physical and – that's the, the that's the interesting thing about these two. Not only are they just good goal scorers and passers and setup men, all that stuff is really important. Forty nine points for Trevor Lord, forty eight for Tate Leeson. But they got one hundred sixty three penalty minutes for Lord, <laughs> and, and Leeson's got ninety one. They are not just good offensively; they're physical. Yeah, and they've both been suspended uh, a couple of times. Yeah, well, yes. as well. Yes, yes. They're they're not afraid to go. And Leeson's not the biggest guy on the ice. No, he's not. But um, he plays with a ton of passion. Um, he, he does. I mean, he's excited when he scores goals, but he he feeds the puck as well. Uh, he's he seems to run that offense. Um, and I think now he's wearing the C for us. So mm-hmm. he's. Uh, he stepped into that role this year. I mean, he's been a great player in the in the Fed for a couple of seasons, but um, this year, I don't know. He's just sort of assuming that leadership role, uh, just like Trevor Lord. We had Trevor on the show last night, yeah, and that was one of the things we talked about was his leadership role, and and uh, and we talked about the different lines, 
And he said he's just, they're making it work, you know. I, I asked if it was a friendly competition between him and Lisa for points because he got a couple points up, I think. And uh, he goes, oh, he goes, it doesn't matter as long as we're winning, you know. That, yeah. that they were ca- carrying the company line. Well, as long as we're winning, you know. <laughs> You know, Jeff, last year there was a couple teams that were just god-awful. Delaware, the Elmira Mammoth, they were just awful. We had teams that, you know, could barely get 10 wins. This year is a complete different story. And I've been trying to tell people, as much as I disagreed with the 19-man roster, I think it has kind of created a little bit of parity and only Baton Rouge right now are under 10 wins in, in this league and everything. Do you think the league, at least in the roster limits and the kind of like what they've done so far to kind of create some of this parity, have done a good job? You know, I'm not sure about that that roster limit. It's, to me, that seems a little tight. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's created a ton of parity. I mean, anybody can win on any given night. Yeah. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of, uh, talented guys that are sitting on the sideline right now. You know, we got some guys that hang around our building that could be playing somewhere if mm-hmm. there was a spot open. Um, so it's, I don't know, you know, I I don't get into that too much. I mean, as far as is the league, how they're going to do that. Like I said, I thought the roster at the beginning of the season was crazy. That there's no way you can work like that. But, I mean, it's making it work, and it's made some teams – uh, very competitive because the talent is there, you know. Yeah, Columbus has won 15 in a row, but I still argue that the Empire Division is the tougher division between the two divisions. Would you agree with that? I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Watertown's got I 12 wins. <laughs> you know, Columbus and nothing against the Continental Division. Right. There's some teams there, but Columbus is seeing the same teams over and over. I mean, once in a while they play Carolina. I think Carolina is a really good hockey team. Um, but up here, you know, uh, Danbury just had an awful stretch before coming into our building yep. and taking two out of three, but they've lost six in a row, you know, and Danbury's a very talented hockey team. Um, I look at us, I look at our lineup and I've said this to people countless times this year on paper, we look like a great hockey team. Um, we've just had, we've had some great stretches where we won some two games in a row and we've also had those stretches where we can't find our way into the win column, um, and I can't explain it because I think we're a very talented team. Um, and as of recent, I mean, Elmira's made a lot of changes, moving guys around, bringing people in. I mean, just signed Frankie McClendon as another yeah. goalie. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're starting to load up, and they're playing really good hockey right now. And Binghamton, I think, is just – obviously, the class of the Empire Division – and on any given night, I think they can be they can take down Columbus anytime. So, you know, I I think we're tough in this division. And Motor City, I mean, whoever saw that coming? No, you know? no, I, I I agree. They've been a pleasant surprise. You know? I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And when you talked about Elmira. They're six and four in their last ten games, and it's <laughs> like you you wouldn't have thought that like. Two months ago, right? But they no, this, no. that's and, and that's just it. Watertown coming into Binghamton this upcoming weekend for two games. What if they go on a run and and, and win two against Binghamton, right? And then right. I think you guys right. play on Sunday as well, correct? 
Yeah, we play Elmira on Sunday back here. Yeah, I mean, so you never know in this division right now if you're going to you know make a run. Binghamton lost two games out of their four games and six nights run, um, you know, a couple weeks ago and everything. So it is literally possible and everything. What are your thoughts about this upcoming uh, two games? I know Watertown is down a player. Dakota Seaman is uh, suspended. Gavin Yates, who we've talked about earlier, he's suspended for a long-term period of time. So both teams are down one roster spot on game day um, already. What are your thoughts coming into this weekend against Binghamton in, uh, in divisions, uh, Veterans Memorial Arena? Uh, you know, going in there, that's um, – I've never been there. I mean, I've been there for rock concerts. I've sure. never been there for hot um, it's a tough building to go in. You guys got a huge crowd down there, mm-hmm. a very vocal crowd, and <laughs> it's a tough building to go in and win. And like I said, Binghamton right now, obviously the class of the uh, Empire Division, but we've played them well a couple of times. We've had a couple of wins against uh, those guys. Yep. I think going in for us, I, the key to me anyway, for us to have a chance to go in there and win one of two or maybe both games is um, we've got to limit our penalties. We've been taking a lot of crazy penalties, especially this last weekend. I don't know if you watched any of it. Mm-hmm. Just undisciplined play. Um, not, I'm not going to say the whole game, but just we let sometimes the tempers get uh, carried away. Uh, when we limit that, and our defense likes to pinch in a little bit, and we give up a lot of fast breaks. Um, but when we settle down, I mean, there there was a stretch we were giving up fifty game or fifty shots a goal on a game, and it's like that's you're never going to win in that situation. Um, and we've seemed to have settled that down now um, and started to pick up a couple of wins again. But you know, we're going to have to play for Watertown to go in there and and win one or two. You're just going to put together a really good game, a good disciplined game, um, not the stupid cheap penalties. Uh, I think we got to be a little physical with them. Yeah, you got some good goal scorers down there, so you got to try to rattle their cage a little bit. Uh, your goaltenders are outstanding, so that's that's going to be the puzzle right there is being able to beat those guys. But like you said, the way everybody lines up this year, uh, if we go in and have a good weekend, there's no reason we can't get one or two games down there. Okay, so you 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 mentioned. And I'm going to change gears for a second because it's my show and I can do so. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said you came down to Binghamton. Who have you seen rock concert wise here in Binghamton? I'm curious. Oh, there, I'll tell you. This is. I'll tell you how old I am. I okay. Mean, I, I'll be. I'll be turning 62 here in a couple of months. So, right. Um, but I go all the way back to. I saw Kiss there a couple times. Saw Scorpions there. Nice. Um, I want to say, I saw Judas Priest there. <sighs> Now I'm jealous. Def, now I'm jealous. With Def Leppard, I think, back when Def Leppard was still opening X. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a bunch. 90% of the time I'd go to a concert, it'd be in Syracuse at the War Memorial. Sure. But, yeah, there's been a few times when we went all the way down there to watch, you know. So was that? I think back, that was the, what did they call it? The, uh, I don't think they called it the Broome Community. No, Broome County uh, Veterans Broome Memorial County. Arena. Yeah, okay, there you go. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> so, so uh, what I'm kind of curious: the the Kiss concerts was that in the late '70s? Those con- those uh, tours? Yeah, I saw them. Uh, I saw them there once with makeup, and then the very first tour without makeup. That yeah. so first tour that would be '82, '83, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's pretty. That's that's awesome. Now, now I saw them in. I think it was. Uh, 98 at the arena because I hadn't seen them beforehand. That was my first time seeing them. And then I've seen them like, I don't know, like seven or eight times since then. Because uh, my yeah. my wife and I, we don't have kids. So what do we do? We go to rock concerts, yeah. you know? Sure. So when you don't have uh, when you don't have kids, you go to rock concerts. So I spent Absolutely. the last 20 years going to rock concerts because uh, my my wife, um, you know, she, she loves the same music as I do. And it's, you know... That, I've always said, like, yeah, it's good to have opposites attract, but when someone likes the same things as you do, and you're that's your life partner for you know and everything, it's the best, you know, because we can yeah. literally see, you know, oh, firehouse is going to be up at the casino, you know, and it's like let's go, right? It's let's like go, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so it's so easy and everything. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been great to get to know you. Um, I think I think out of I mean we have a lot of great broadcasters here in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, but you bring so much energy to your games and everything, and um, I I love watching it because you absolutely hate having that face on the TV screen for that first what thirty seconds that you have to do it at the beginning of the seconds. games. You're right. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one quick story. So. Grady Wittenberg asked me to do a few games in the 2012 season. And he was the broadcaster here, obviously, with the Binghamton Senators. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't mind doing radio. That's great. You know, I'll, I'll do that. I was already doing it with Manchester Monarchs and on their away games and stuff uh, with Ken Kale. And so Grady was like, oh, okay, great. Our, our first one's going to be a TV game. And I'm like, oh. I was like, oh, well, you're never on TV for the TV games. They just show the ice and everything, you know, the Zamboni going around and everything goes, oh, yeah, but just the first 30 seconds of the game, they're going to see you. And I'm like, uh. I I know. It's it's the worst. It's horrible. (laughs) It's so horrible. And so, of course, uh, you know, I, I, I did a few of those with him and everything, and I absolutely hated it. I think I sweated more in that 30 seconds than I did the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, I Just, agree. So, uh, I again, Jeff, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I hope to talk to you soon, and I can't wait until you get down here um, to 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 Binghamton for uh, one of the games here. Um, I know you've watched them on YouTube, but can't wait till you actually get down here and. You know, hopefully, when you come down, you'll actually call a game. You know, not just sit. You know, come down here for to watch. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just nice to be in the building just to be a spectator. It's true. You know, I, I, I like doing that, too, just going and watching a good game. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. He is Jeff Barrett of the Watertown Wolves, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. you're a Binghamton Hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. 
You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, it uh, was great to have you guys here. Uh, it was great to have Jeff Barrett on just to talk a little bit about the Watertown Wolves, the history. You know, we got to mention some of the names that you would probably recognize. You know, Kyle Powell and uh, Tyler Jurich, uh, obviously guys who cut their teeth in this league playing with the Watertown Wolves and winning championships up there. So that was pretty cool and everything. But, you know, the Binghamton Black Bears, were, they're going to face a totally different Watertown Wolves than those championship team years. And, you know, some people might say, you got to be careful with these two games. You don't want to be thinking about Danbury on Sunday. You got to get through one game, one shift at a time. And I'm sure the Black Bears know that as well. So, uh, the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show and share with it with all your friends and get them to join up, especially if they're hockey fans. Check out uh, BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity. Thank you to Rob Polis, our MC, John Petitucci, our musical director, and Austin Thompson, Coach Brant Sherwood, and of course, Watertown Wolves broadcaster, Jeff Barrett. Thank you very much, all everyone, for listening to the Power Play Post Show. I'm Bob Howard, and we'll talk to you this upcoming Sunday. we got a great show for you. Check us out then, uh, and thanks for listening. Listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.